the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And it's good to be finally back on the air with you after a couple of weeks off, or maybe one week. Um, but it seems like two weeks. In any event, it's uh, good to have you with us. As you heard from our announcer, this is Jesse Gistin on this Monday edition of Lifeline, uh, September 14th, 2020, a very, very, very challenging year we have had, have we not, thus far. And uh, by all indicators, it does not look like it's going to be any less uh, interesting or challenging or difficult or even painful, if I might say so myself. Um, what I do want to do before we get started, well, for those of you who have uh, waited with bated breath and are on the are on the line with me now, the number here is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one. Triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I definitely want you to call and let us know whether or not uh, the sound is adequate. If we're having some problems or you're having some difficulties uh, hearing us, we'll need you to call in. I guess you could email me if you wanted to at GBC. That's Grace Bible Church. The letters GBC Hayward at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com. If we're sounding weird, if we are um, uh, not up to par in terms of the quality of the sound, we're trying to work through some difficulties that has uh, confronted us over the last couple of weeks, and we just want to do the best job we can, and it's going to require that you you let us know. I think we're okay, um, but we may not be, so... Uh, good. Again, to have you, uh, it's, again, it's good to have you with us on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Um, all day long, for about four and a half hours, I was at the DMV in Walnut Creek, just uh, trying to renew my license. I really was trying to get that, that real ID deal going on where you've got to have the bear here in California in order for you to uh, leave the state, I, I suppose, and, and traverse the nation and uh, and definitely uh, travel around the world. Now, I do have my passport. It's valid, has been valid for a while. I think I'm good till 24, but um, need to get need to get uh, need to get my uh, ID up to par here in California because you can't get <clears throat> you can't get guns, you can't get ammo, you can't get uh, you can't get anything if you needed to go hunting or, or, or rifle shooting or doing any of the games and stuff that requires that kind of ID. And rightly so. We definitely need to be on top of being able to know who uh, who who it is that is purchasing uh, things like bow and arrows and uh, 
BB guns and, if you will, uh, small arms weapons and uh, and some larger games weapons as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to get that all taken care of so I can get my uh, hunting situation uh, into gear here. Uh, one of those good old boys from the South uh, enjoyed hunting from a little child and uh, it's always good to be able to keep uh keep your uh keep your aim straight if you will um but good to have you i'm looking forward to your questions i'm looking forward to uh your observations again we only have two hours so i'm not gonna really entertain anything that really can't help us to drill down deep into reality and then get an anchor for our souls on the person and work of jesus christ and uh, and be able to withstand the fundamental storms that we are all commonly uh, enduring enduring at this time. Um, so I'm sitting at the DMV, uh, and we're doing this social distancing thing, right? And uh, everybody's six, eight, ten feet apart. You're not inside. You're out in the parking lot. They won't let you in except with a small group because. Well, they just believe that that's appropriate and uh, we have to comply to the rules. And boy, it looks Orwellian. It feels Orwellian. It definitely feels um, fundamentally like like a a, a pre-drill for your (laughs) new world order, if you will. Uh, Not panicking about it, not worried about it one bit. It's just uh, it's definitely different. And, 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 you know, you guys, it's not that way in every other uh, every state in the union. All the states in the union are not as anchored into the policies of our governor. Uh, they're not as anchored into the policies of of uh, of Washington um, or of uh, uh, the CDC. A lot more states are open, uh, going about their business, enjoying the freedoms with which we as People who are um, inheritors of this nation have the right to be free, but many of us are indeed being challenged with the freedoms of our country these days, both on a biological and therefore larger ecological uh, level. Uh, economically, certainly, that is becoming a trying, a trying thing. This is part of the very dangerous trifecta that's happening in our nation. And I know you know what I'm talking about. First, with the uh, pandemic. Secondly, with our economic challenges that fall out from the pandemic, which puts stress on men and women. And then thirdly, this social movement, this uh, massive social justice um, uh, movement that has become quite prophetically uh, uh, violent and hostile and uh, and destructive. Sadly to say, these have to be the honest uh, facts uh, very clearly assessed given uh, what we are looking at today. And I remember asking you guys the question uh, several months ago when we found ourselves turning the corner on the subject of... Uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, you know, uh, defund the cops and down with the cops and down with the government and all that. And you know how we were dealing with a few uh, uh, voices who basically poo-pooed all of this as insignificant, poo-pooed it as if some of us were speaking uh, in a tunnel 
you know, operating out of a kind of paranoia or certainly that we are being ignorant and operating out of the wrong side of the historical narrative. Well, here we are, right? Here we are dealing with uh, some very egregious uh, manifestations. And, And what am I doing? As I am waiting in line for about two and a half hours before I can uh, get my license renewed, I'm reading through what I've been actually teaching my own congregation at Grace are the correlations between Marxist communism and its fundamental principles of uh, ideological subversion uh, and its overt agenda of total destruction. Uh, by virtue of revolution. One of the questions I asked us here on this lifeline several months ago, are we dealing with a a reformation or are we dealing with a revolution? Now, most of you called and said it was a revolution, but I'm not so sure we are very clear on that that affirmation. Um, And so, you know, inadvertently, as I'm doing my own preparation and studies in the book of the Revelation, and we happen to be in Revelation chapter 13, God has given me a lot of understanding and insight into that chapter and, uh, and, and the saints at Grace and those who are listening from abroad on our live stream are getting a very relevant application of that text to our day. Uh, and we are in some of that very meaty and, uh, and dense foliage that deals with the second deception that comes upon Uh, a people group when they are being tyrannically controlled and forced to comply with a a godless system that is demanding that you capitulate and worship or else you will be killed. Uh, The parallels are clear because they've been historically true from the days of the Roman Empire when Nero and Vespasian and Titus and Domitius and Hadrian and and Trajan and uh, Diocletian, uh, along with a few other very beastly monarchs, uh, imperial monarchs, uh, devastated their own people with a totalitarian, tyrannical, uh, uh, blasphemous system of control. Uh, we're not quite overtly there yet, but we if you know history, you certainly know that countries have been toppled by the same uh, govern, governmental paradigm and trajectory of strategy. Uh, and, and I'm going through a book that I've been working with our congregation on called Marx and Satanism, because Marx was a Satanist and Lenin was a Satanist and Stalin was a Satanist and and most of the people that adhere to the more cultic elements of Marxism are Satanists as well. So I'm going to read a few quotes before we take a break, and then we will unpack uh, the daisy events and activities, and we will correlate uh, them with scripture, and I will take your questions and your phone calls. Uh, One of the things I said to my own congregation as we actually developed and explained and expounded to some degree uh, the Communist Manifesto is that when uh, when a Marxist agenda is clearly laid out, once they've gotten past the ideological subversion, that is the transformation of minds on an elite level, on a uh, political level, on a 
level of education. This is called the re-education of a culture. Once they've got enough people who are in strategic positions, educationally and politically, to um, to inform society of how things will be, not should be, but will be. This is called fascism. Uh, then they start employing their uh, comrades to the streets and uh, protesting. That's a typical uh, typical agenda. And I'll tell you now, once the protests begin, once you've got the protesting of the agenda, there is fundamentally no turning back. Like before or after the election, they're not going to just go to sleep and, and, and you wake up. And uh, and all is well with the world. You can get go back to life as you had it in your delusory, delusory uh, thinking or your illusory thinking, if you will, uh, prior to uh, this manifestation. That's not going to happen once any kind of uh, socialist Marxist movement starts on the path of protest. Uh, it, it it inevitably moves towards violence, and that violence is designed to send a very clear message. And, and if people don't understand it, um, that is one of the advantages Advantages they take uh, advantage of, uh, no pun intended, when people are not willing to, to recognize what's at stake. I'm going to quote a few of the comments from, uh, from Marx on this subject, and then we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I see the lines are filling up, and I'm ready to get at it with you. Let's see if we can uh, establish the truth from the lie again on the Monday edition of Lifeline. First one is communists despise making a secret of their opinions and their intentions. So, like, if, if unless you just want to be ignorant of communism, it's not their tactic to pretend that they don't exist. Marx never enjoyed it. Lenin never enjoyed it. Stalin never enjoyed it. Uh, once they have reached a certain uh, critical mass ideologically, they want you to know they're coming for you because it has a thuggish element. It says the communists despise making a secret of their opinions and intentions. They openly declare that their aims can be reached only through the violent overthrow of the whole existing social structure. So there you go. The uh, leaders of the movement of the Black Lives Matter have said such even in their uh, mission statement from the beginning. So people who want to be ignorant about the agenda, you're ignorant at your own uh, expense. Here's another statement. There is only one method to shorten the murderous pain of death of the old society. Now they say in order to destroy a society, there's only one way to shorten the murderous pain. In other words, they expect murder to be part of the ending of that society. The bloody birth pains of the new society, only one method to simplify and concentrate them, concentrate them, and that is a revolutionary terrorism. There you go. So you see the philosophy of Marx and Lenin and, and Engels is that once you start your movement, you are, as it were, tearing down while giving birth, tearing down while giving birth. 
And for them, it's no turning back. It's like when a woman is about to have that child, she's going to have that child one way or the other. The child is not going back up in the womb. This is the philosophy they hold, revolutionary terrorism. And I would assert that that is where we are. We are now at the harbinger and opening manifestations of a kind of revolutionary terrorism here in America. And of course, this has been going on around the world in many countries over and over and over again and has advanced much further than where we are today. But here in America, we're starting to see the same kind of terror we saw a few years back when it was the Islamic terrorists doing somewhat of the same thing to get their message across. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm going to take a break, pay some bills. Got a couple, two or three of you on the line. Uh, maybe the lines are open. one 367 We will be right back. And we are back the time, 523 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We hope you are safe out there driving or that you are well in your homes. And uh, uh, lean your ear into our conversation today because I've already said some things in my opening monologue that I think are worthy of you taking deep, deep, deep consideration of and uh, prolonged cogitation. I'm going to read a portion of scripture in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, Not going to develop it much because time won't really allow it to, but uh, if you are tracking with me uh, through the book of the Revelation, it will it will it will make some sense down the line. We're in Revelation chapter 13, and I'm dealing with verses 13 and 14. This happens to be the second section of that great chapter where the second beast has risen up out of the earth, in contradistinction to the first beast who rose up out of the sea. The first beast is politics. The second beast is religion. The combination of politics and religion is always dangerous. I don't care who it is, Christian, Muslim, Maoist, Hindu, whatever. Whenever you mix politics and religion as two equal co-encompassing parties, The Christian body of believers needs to be careful how you negotiate that. In any event, it says, and he, that is the second beast, does great wonders so that he makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. That's his target, men. And he deceives them that dwell upon the earth. That's a cold term in the book of the Revelation. Those of you who are being taught by me, you know that. He deceives them that dwell upon the earth by those miracles which he does, by which he has power to do in the sight of the beast. On the, uh, to, to Saying to them, rather, that dwell upon the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, that they should make an image image to the beast that had the wound by the sword and lived. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, this is what we call coercion of the earth dwellers. 
coercion of the earth dwellers on the pain of death if they do not comply with replicating the image of the beast in the presence and by virtue of the authority of the second beast who is there to bear witness to and to represent and reinforce the first beast who has, if you will, risen from the dead so that men and women are deceived by the wounded beast, deceived by the fire coming down from heaven, and then deceived by the overwhelming and compelling coercion of the second beast who is working in the behalf of the first beast to tell men and women, if you do not comply, you will die. That's thuggery, ladies and gentlemen. That's thuggery. You can be sure of this. It has no gospel component in it other than as an anti-gospel type. But what the text plainly says is, if you are an earth dweller, you'll be deceived. If you, if you dwell on the earth, if your identity is here on this earth, in this world, wrapped up in politics, wrapped up in ethnicity, wrapped up in materialism. If you're an existentialist who is trapped by the cares of this life, you will be deceived. There's only one category of people in the book of the Revelation that are not deceived. And these are they whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life who are not earth dwellers. All right, that's our lesson for today. Let me go to line one and talk with Jermaine in Alameda on line one. Jermaine, are you there? Can we pick up Jermaine on line one? Jermaine on line one, we probably should have tested that. If we can't get Jermaine on line one, we need to try to go to line two. We can take another caller. Are we uh, able to get those calls transferred, sir? Jermaine on line one or Dan on line two. We need yeah, to try to work you. that. Okay, what's going I'm on? You. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is uh, I have really been since March getting a lot of MP3s and got a lot of YouTube videos from you and your church, and I want to thank your congregation and thank you for supporting that. Uh, and um, I also, I don't really have much of a question, but I want to thank you for extending that, and I also want to thank you for the verse that you just read. I think that's really germane because we have to be really next. We have to be so committed to standing upon our beliefs that we're prepared for these things because I've been talking a little bit with my family about it and if we are not able to stand up when it's required for us to uh, not back down what we're going to do is is not do what Paul instructed us to do in, in Ephesians which is stand ground we're going to lose ground True. if we don't stand up for this and True. uh I know it's a little bit uh, anxious, it produces a little bit of anxiety, but would you rather face the anxiety right now and be ready, or put the anxiety off until later and be surprised? Which one's better? And uh, Well, 
Well, actually, and Dan, am I talking to Dan? Yes. Okay, good. No, I, I'm just, it seems like the way the uh, audio system is going, your voice is deeper, but that's okay. It's all right for it to be deeper as long as it's not getting higher. Uh, uh, but let me say this before I let you go in terms of your observations, because I, I, I personally think, Dan, that people are still very much in flux, not clear on on the issues at all, even the issues that Christ himself, our Lord, has repeated over and over and over again about what authentic saving faith is. If you've been listening to my series, and I know you have, I've been warning our church against a kind of romantic faith. There is a delusionary faith, a an illusory, a false faith that is prevalent all over America uh, and, and the West. It's not a real faith at all. Um, it's a Disneyland type of faith that doesn't have doesn't bear uh, any resemblance to what the scriptures teach about the nature of saving faith in terms of its identification with Christ, its ability to um, to be sober and to be discerning about error and falsehood, and then its ability to be gracious but bold about telling the truth in the context of error and falsehood, and and then certainly. Um, uh, recognizing that there are times when you have to pay the ultimate cost for uh, for telling the truth. And and we do have a spectrum that we're about to enter into uh, here in America uh, as professing believers. And I would actually put under that umbrella as well, Dan, all who would call themselves uh, both uh, people of God <clears throat> in any of the larger contexts of Judaism, Catholicism, uh, Islam, and Christianity, not to say that we have the same God, but if you hold to a God theory, a theist theory, and therefore have a moral platform uh, that identifies the imperatives and commands of that God you hold to, uh, for all of these people here in America with these particular convictions about who God is and who we are as his servants, uh, the 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 coming storm should be untenable for all of these groups. Uh, so even though I'm talking to us in the context of of Christianity, I am asserting that in a country like America, where we have had the freedom under a pluralistic society to have multiple religious expressions, the common uh, core of those expressions on a moral level should uh, should be causing all people of any kind of sincere, uh, biblically oriented, uh, monotheistic faith to realize what's at hand, because Marxism, uh, under its fundamental tenets of godless, uh, satanic uh, destruction, won't tolerate any uh, religion that is going to hold to uh, a historic uh, creation narrative uh, with a uh, very clear binary distinction between male and female and the uh, uh, undeniable and non-negotiable uh, system of a biblical patriarchal model for the health and governance of the family uh, which extends to the tribe, extends to the nation, extends to the world. Everybody is under uh, under assault if they don't hurry up and realize it uh, when when these matters begin to come down. So uh, I just wanted to share that. I'll give you the last word before I let you go. 
Yes, well, I was just over visiting my friend Pat, and she was talking to me like that. But then I was talking to her, and she said, well, I've got my my church uh, affiliation on TV. And I was trying to explain to Pat, she's 79 years old, what Zoom is. You know, I was trying to let her know, you know, you could maybe on a weekly or biweekly basis, you could make a call, and you can get connected up with people. You can share prayer needs and stuff. Yeah and not have to be alone at home watching your TV set. Right. Well, the problem with that is is that many people like Pat have been paralyzed by a one-sided religion with God. That's really sad. That's the downfall of TV. The TV and radio and all that has good elements to it, but one part of that is that it paralyzes people's faith. They are really tangibly disconnected, and as a consequence, they do not have the mutual fellowship of which the scriptures call us to all have, and that that can and may have an impact on her should she find herself in the middle of some of this tribulation. Listen, brother, thank you for the call. Really good to hear from you. Got to take another break. Got to pay some bills. When I come back, I will take the rest of your phone calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We will be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Let's go to line one and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, what's going on, man? Well, yeah, um, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of hear your thoughts on on uh, some of the stuff you were talking about with uh, the whole the movement. And, you know, I, I noticed that uh, George Soros and, and some of these people like Bloomberg have dedicated multiple millions of dollars to the tombs, I think of like 50 and 100 million apiece just dedicated to defeating Donald Trump this year. And um, I noticed that while the media is focused on all these other stories, it just seemed to be brushed under the rug that there were peace treaties that have signed, been signed recently in the last few weeks with, I think it was Kosovo, Serbia, and then Bahrain, and and then uh, the one with uh, the, the Arab Emirates. And there seems mm-hmm. to be like a systematic a systematic thing starting back in 2017 when Jerusalem was recognized as capital. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Like, what is it about this particular election that is so significant, so threatening to some people? Because I, I agree with you. I see the implied threat out there from a lot of these protesters who, who look like more of the protesters. And it's pretty much like if we don't get the White House there, November is going to be a month you'll never forget. Like there's an implied threat of vote our way or else. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on why this particular one is so significant, and including our governors and people who seem to be taking advantage of, of some of the uh, outcome of the pandemic for their own purposes. Right. So what we're dealing with at all times is is the conflict of two narratives. You, you know that that's what I'm teaching now. Um, and the two narratives are, are full fledged stories, uh, full fledged narratives, ideologies, worldviews, if you will, systems of interpretation. Uh, one is a narrative of falsehood and lies built upon uh, a, a Marxist agenda of, of revolution and, and takeover. 
uh, of the world, and it has its underpinnings, if you know, uh, uh, in a kind of satanic, I will be like the most high God. I will rule over the congregation. I will sit in the sides of the north. I will be above the stars of God. This is what your Bible warns of, a constant antagonistic threat on the part of the rebellious one, Satan, and his rebellious imps, both angels and men. So there's always, from the time of the serpent in the garden, been this conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That that narrative is one that is repeated scripturally. Lo, I come in the book, and the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God. So we know redemptively we're going to deal with the fall of Adam. We're going to deal with the clothing of the coats of skin as a redemptive response. We're going to deal with the, the fallout of humanity in the days of Noah. We're going to deal with the ark as a redemptive response. We're going to deal with the call of Abraham uh, uh, um, uh, out of Ur of the Chaldees as a response to God having to scatter the uh, Babylonian tower in Genesis chapter uh, 9 and 10. So now he uses one man, Abraham, to bring Messiah into the world. Abraham, David, uh, Messiah. Then the gospel goes into all the world. And we've been having conflict since the days of the preaching of the gospel, which is what the book of the Revelation is really about. Uh, worship and warfare, the conflict between the kingdom of the beasts and the kingdom of God, which is why I read the narrative that I did. And we are in a space of uh, historic time, uh, Jermaine, that really requires us to be prayerfully diligent on how to interpret what's happening and interpret the scriptures accurately. So you, you shared with us our audience about three important threads that I'm going to maintain in separate categories while trying to give an answer to your question before we take another break. And that is dealing with the, uh, the, the curious uh, function of, of Donald Trump and his ability to have acquired such massive political success for the first four years that he's been in office uh, relative to things that not only have to do with uh, prosperity for our nation, uh, economic prosperity, uh, but um, uh, very uh, helpful policies with regards to uh, the underclasses or even the African-American community, which never gets spoken about um, our colleges, but more so the valiant efforts on his part to, um, to pay attention and care for uh, missionaries across the nation, which we saw in the RNC, things that have never been done by presidents before. And now you also are speaking about his international policies relative to these gathering uh, unities uh, never before to have occurred, such as the uh, Arab Emirate with Israel and some of the other nations jumping on board uh, as they are gathering together, that whole uh, trajectory and strand of historical events is worthy of its own analysis. There are many, uh, uh, you know, Bible buffs, because you're hearing it on the radio even now, who hold that larger premillennial dispensational view, are asserting that we're looking at 
you know, certain prophetic fulfillments taking place. I would say to all who really look at their Bibles carefully to be careful not, that you don't fall prey and assume another uh, prophetic narrative because the Christian has been deceived many, many times by being uh, undiscerning in its interpretation of prophecy. Nevertheless, we are seeing some things happening that require us to look at it carefully, make some solid assertions as to what are the implications of the uh, unity that's starting to appear to emerge in the Middle East and this ferocious attempt on the part of the left to want to topple uh, America. Those are extremely important questions. And I think as I'm warning our own people at Grace to be uh, quick to hear and slow to speak so that we're slow to wrath and that we prove all things and hold fast to that which is good so that we don't choose any side too quickly so that we don't make assumptions that will put us in a very precarious situation where we will once again look like a fool. What I have made mention of in the opening of my uh, commentary is the danger, the historic danger of the church always lining up with the state uh, and, and then making a, a kind of claim that somehow uh, we're of God and, and therefore we, we, we can't lose that was the mistake that Israel made for which it ended up being destroyed in AD 70. And the church of the living God must make sure that whatever it does, whatever side it begins to operate out of, it must always remain biblical and it must always remain uh, Christocentric, maintain a high allegiance to Christ. It's going to be the word of God that's going to get us through these issues. For me, Jermaine, and I'm going to have to take a break here uh, my concern is discernment uh, and, and character on the part of the people of God, discernment and character, because we will now here in America um, begin to experience a, uh, a, a larger cosmic battle that is of a political nature because Satan only knows how to work through politics. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be facing something that will question and challenge our faith and our discernment as a nation between now and election day, uh, and and when the smoke clears, we're gonna see a false Christianity or a false religious system emerge very distinctly over against a wise. Uh, true Christian system, understanding how the Bible uh, calls us to operate in this world out of a kind of biblical unity. The lines are indeed being divided, and uh, and people will either cower in fear and show themselves to be apostates uh, because they're not really rooted and grounded in Christ, or we will uh, be proven to be uh, men and women who are overcomers because uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and, uh, and our physical lives are not the most important thing, certainly not our ethnicity as to our ident identity and our eternity. So we've got a lot to learn. Uh, may God give us grace to be able to, uh, to navigate our ways through these waters and these difficulties with much prayer, with much prayer, 
with much prayer and serious, serious Bible study. But certainly what we don't want to do is operate out of a kind of irrational fear. Thank you for the call, my brother. Got to take a break, pay some bills. Got a couple lines open. Let's get at it. one 367 5329 I'll be right back. All right, we're back to time 554 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to Sean now on line three. Sean, if you are there on line three, what's going on, man? Hi, Pastor Jesse. I'm here. How are you doing? I'm great. What's your thoughts on our topic today? Good, good. Um, yeah, my thoughts are uh, I, I think we're heading more towards a reformation Um but I think that that doesn't happen without a revolution taking place kind of before at the same time from the side that is fighting against it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I'm pretty optimistic about it. I, I, from what I've been seeing and looking at and researching uh, the last few months and trying to really keep it balanced in the scriptures, is it's almost like all the ducks are lined up in a row for um, uh, kind of a reset to happen next year, you know, like where you have the finance, the financial system changing, um, which could be like right upon us, you know, very, very soon. Um, There's just a lot of different moving parts going on. And so, but I think it's kind of like a roller coaster. You know, I remember when I, when I was young, I didn't, I don't go on roller coasters now. I can't handle them, but, when I was sure. young, I, I used to hate going on roller coasters, but I would, but I was so scared of them. But I remember, right. like, being so afraid, and you're on this you're on this ride going fast, high, all these different things, but it stops. You know, it eventually stops. And then you just kind of look around like, man, what just happened? Like, and I think that's where we're at. We're in this, we're in a roller coaster right now, and when the dust does settle, I think the 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 side that has the, the the better narrative because the only true holy and pure narrative is gospel. But, but when you're talking about how to exist and function in this fallen world, as it relates to the politics and world leaders and everything, um, I, I think the, 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 the narrative of, of uh, like Trump's narrative and, that that movement, I think it's going to win. I think it's already winning, but the other side is fighting tooth and nail to stop this transformation from happening, not just on a national level, but on a global level. And um, that that's kind of where I'm thinking. But but there's just so many different moving parts going on with it as well. Well, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'll tell you what, I wish I had more time to actually deconstruct what you said and put more tangible particulars or mm-hmm. factual elements relative to the moving parts that you're talking about in their, in their space. Or if you want to, I told you this before, you can email me if you wanted to develop a, a, more, uh, a more detailed um uh, theses on this. I, I'm going to put a. I'm going to play the devil's advocate because of what I have recognized in the scriptures is a, a fatal warning that national Israel never understood. 
and, and, and I, I have concern about our country also making that same mistake, even though mm-hmm. I obviously I would love for this this trial run or this harbinger, if you will, I'm going to use the analogy of all of us going up the roller coaster uh, off of the uh, entrance and uh, seating and the roller coaster is actually going up the ramp. It always goes up the ramp gradually and slowly with all of its attendants before it starts the descent. And it, it goes down a descent relatively steep and then it starts going into twists and turns. It doesn't do that all at once. I don't even think we are into the descent yet. I think there's still some real dangerous descents into which we will find ourselves entering by which our faith will be tried. Because once you're on the ride, your faith is tried and your faith is tried to this extent. Give me grace to finish. Give me grace yeah. to finish. Let me let me finish this journey. I get that on a lot of levels. Um but here's what I will say, that I don't at all hold a guaranteed outcome of, um, of, of the right winning, the right narrative winning uh, without some significant, significant consequences falling out. Because the narrative of mm-hmm. scripture, if you look at it carefully, is even when it's in God's prophetic wheelhouse for the truth to emerge up out of a conflict depending on how rebellious and disobedient his people have been, depending on how rebellious and disobedient the people of God have been, to that extent, God will allow suffering. He will allow purging. He will allow trouble to bring us to our knees, to humble us, to cause us to recognize our own sinful participation in the slovenness and laziness and disobedience and carnality and fleshliness. And, and America has a lot to, uh, to address in terms of the wickedness of the church, the leaven that has come into the church, the uh, sinfulness that have dominated pastors and, and local congregations and the folly that has draped the church to where it's lost its testimony. And this is what the whole, look, the way the book of the Revelation opens up is it deals with the seven churches. You know that. That is the augmentary or uh, what we would call the um, augmentation of Revelation in the book of the Revelation. Christ comes to his seven churches because they got issues. They've got problems. They've got things that they need to deal with or else mm-hmm. I am coming. I am on my way. That is a that is a, um, a present indicative verb form of the verb erkomai. I am on my way in providence. I'm on my way in power. I'm on my way to discipline. I'm on way, my way to judge so that the seven churches were not they were not, you know, passing muster as if somehow with flying colors. And then all of a sudden we have the narrative of the heavens opening up and, uh, and, and, and then Christ dealing with the wickedness of the world over against the church. Of course he's on his throne and of course he's going to keep his church. But depending on how much leaven and how much uh, wickedness and how much chaff is in the church, he will allow the world to encroach upon it. And you know this is the case. National Israel did not believe the prophets. 
They did not believe John the Baptist when John the Baptist said, now is the axe laid to the root of the trees. Now will the chaff be burnt up. They did not believe Jesus when Jesus says, the, all these things will be knocked down. This whole system will be completely demolished. And if you will, this is how the enemy works. He takes a biblical narrative like complete demolishing, revolutionary overthrow. He knows that narrative. He knows that power. And I'm not so certain that we have not been put in a position where God has to seriously discipline America before we get back to God, before we do a purgation of all of these godless policies, before we take our schools uh, over, before we fire all uh, Marxists, all uh, uh, of your uh, postmodern uh, elitists who have brought in these dogmatic teachings to corrupt society. In other words, there is a lot of work to be done in terms of that reformation, and it's going to require godly men and women uh, playing a massive role in that turnaround, which will take decades to do. We won't turn around through an election. This will be through a massive humbling that God will have to bring about. And, and quite frankly, just one more point to what you're saying, and I got to let you go. Quite frankly, for Donald Trump to be standing up and and basically kicking the money changers out of the temple, uh, verbatim re referring to all of this postmodern critical theory BS that has made its way all the way up to the White House, he's, he's getting rid of all those policies. And that's what good men have to do. Righteous men have to be able to stand up and say it's not that leaven. This is a Passover motif that I'm going to be teaching here in the last part of the 13th chapter. A Passover motif. That leaven must not come into this house because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's going to be the whole battle of removing the leaven that's leavening the lump. And it's not going to be a pretty pretty picture, my brother. Listen, thanks for the call. Again, if you want to write me on that and fill it out, I'd love to hear it. And I'm hoping you're right. I don't want to be right. I got to take another break. Got to pay a bunch of bills. I think we got a couple of lines open. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue this narrative. I do not want to be right.